This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello, and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am extremely excited to be here with each and every one of you. It is one of the most exciting weekends of the sports calendar. You got March Madness going on. You got big free agency stuff going on in the NFL. The NBA and NBA, or N- NBA and NBA, how dumb am I? The NBA and NHL are hitting the stretch run, the push for the playoffs, absolutely unbelievable. Spring training is going strong, and of course, this year has a little bit of a wrinkle, the World Baseball Classic. The World Baseball Classic has been a very polarizing event over the last couple weeks, especially within the last 24 hours. And I can't think of anybody better to come on this show right now to help discuss the climate of the World Baseball Classic with a little bit of emphasis on one specific team playing in the tournament. But, you know, the World Baseball Classic as a whole, we love baseball here on the program. I'd like to welcome in from CubaDugout.com, Phil Selig. Phil, how we doing? Not too, too bad. Better, better, better than I was at this point last week. So uh, things are on the up and up. I'm happy that it worked out that you came on this week's episode with a smile on your face. Then grumpy Phil last week, last Thursday, it all worked out for the better. Do you agree? Absolutely. (laughs) So Phil, obviously we'll get to some of the shenanigans that's been going on throughout the entire world baseball classic, but Bad, bad, bad start for Team Cuba in the first round of the World Baseball Classic. 0-2. Why were they 0-2? Well, uh, it's it's actually uh, very pertinent to, uh, I think, the audience that's uh, going to tune in here and, and not to throw it completely at the feet of, uh, of two players specifically. But um, I, I think a level of it was when you look at how those two games ended, they got more than they could ask for out of, uh, out of their starting pitchers. Bullpens did okay. I mean, you know, both games, obviously that got away a little bit late, but, uh, runners in scoring position fail for Yoan Moncada and Luis Rober in those first two games. And, um, as kind of, as we alluded to off the top, if you talked to me last week in a short, uh, round Robin format, did not think that they were going to have enough noose or enough runway to recover from that. And so um, without getting too far ahead of myself, obviously Cuba did have a miraculous recovery. And as much as throwing it at the feet of those two players, they they did have an important role in that turnaround as well. 
What do you think it was? So I had the bullet point written down. It's the White Sox fault that Team Cuba was down 0-2 in the the first couple games there. What was it, though, that was, I mean, runners in scoring position, obviously big emphasis on that. But did it look like something was off? Like they're not ready yet? Like it looked like Moncada didn't even want to be there at first. And then, you know, all of a sudden this flip switch, which we'll get to the, the switch flipping in a little bit here. But like, what was the issue? So um, through the lens, let's look at, uh, at Rover's performance uh, first in terms of, um, you know, three strikeouts in the first game, chasing um, chasing pitches way out of the zone, maybe looking a little over anxious. And, and from body language, as you said, if, if Moncada looked a little disinterested, uh, Rover looked a little uh, a little too interested. And so, I mean with with the benefit now of uh, things advancing as they have, maybe there's a little bit more leeway to look at and say, was it jet lag? Was it, um, I mean, it is early in the spring, but but frustrating a little bit that when you're facing off against a team like, uh, like the Netherlands, whose strength is more the fact that their lineup was jam-packed with, uh, with either major leaguers or recent major league hitters, their pitching um, was not their strength, and that proved to be true. And then you go into Italy, and, and as some people are saying, basically got shut down by the regenerated corpse of Matt Harvey. So, you know, there, there is a level that, uh, two guys that that hopefully are are using this as a springboard for Cuba, but for their uh, 2023 seasons, certainly didn't look great. But again, it, it is you don't want to put too much influence on ten at bats for their sake versus what again ten at bats could have meant if things didn't play out the way that they did in dropping those first two games in a four team round robin or in a five team four game round robin that um, you could have been bounced lickety split. Take me through that first win once they were down 0-2 and things were looking tough. What was that first win? How did that happen? What started to go right? And where were you by the time the game was over? So that game was a little bit tougher. I uh, I actually fell asleep at the at the beginning of it, and, and whether or not that kind of tells you where where my expectations were were running into it. Um, so that game obviously did turn the momentum. Uh, Cuba beat up on Panama uh, thirteen to four, banged out twenty one hits. Uh, Moncada was was instrumental in that. I think uh, drove in four or five runs, had four or five hits. Uh, again, Robert a uh, little less active, but looked a little bit better. Uh, that that offensive explosion was better. And ironically, in a game where they probably got their worst starting pitching performance from from Ronald Bolanos, who is uh, you know a guy who spent time on a major league roster, hoping to uh, hoping to continue that this year with KC. Um, so it was more just an overall, uh, overall onslaught that way. Um, again, those two players being, being key central within that one of the big changes, uh, they, they, uh, they moved on or they, they moved Cespedes out of the, uh, out of the starting lineup, went for a little bit more defense. There was a play late in the game against Italy, which they lost in extra innings that, is that Ross? Is that you know? Is does a guy who didn't break his ankle chasing around a wild boar um, and hasn't played a, a, a big schedule of games make that better play uh, versus in the game against Australia we see Roel Santos who who has spent a lot of that time in left field make a great play at, at the wall for the sake of versatility although ironically he rolled his ankle uh, diving back in first base earlier so maybe that's the 
No, I was going to say maybe that's the beauty of youth, but they're the same age. Maybe that's the beauty again of not breaking your ankle chasing a wild boar around your uh, around your estate. That's funny. And then you get to the game two, and you're two one. That's looking like you must win. And if even if you win, you still might not advance because of all the tiebreakers and whatnot. You got Italy surprising people, other you know nations in this group that are you know potentially going to make this really interesting. Everybody ends up going two and two, but. And so there's tiebreakers that come into play, but that second game, take me through it from your point of view. So in, in terms of the big win against uh, against Chinese Taipei, uh, Taiwan, um, you know, won that seven to one, which apparently is the perfect uh, was the perfect uh, remedy for everything in terms of the tiebreakers and all of that. So uh, going going to two at that point, you look at and you feel better. But even going to bed and, and, and even to the credit of the announcers and, and uh, Tyler Mond, who uh, did a great and Ryan Roland Smith, uh, Tyler Mond, who did a great job, um, you know, kind of explaining during that game that there's there's a number of things that can happen here. Um, I'm going I'm, I'm going to bed at that point because uh, that game ended late, uh, thinking that ne- needing the Netherlands to win the next day because I'm looking at going. So that's the team that you lost to that you can afford to be ahead of you versus any uh, team Italy. You don't want to end up with the same record because they beat you, but then all teams finishing with the identical two and two record. Uh, Cause obviously the, the outcomes then occurred perfectly. And with the, the run differential, which was, which was a key, but not the tiebreaker. Um, it's still some of them struggling to understand that basically they, they, they came up with a run, uh, a defensive run quotient, effectively so i guess the the best thing is that for cuba in losing four two six three winning then 13 four winning seven one had uh kind of that that and 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 not uh and actually not blowing anybody out um even as close as they came to uh to to uh, the mercy rule against uh against panama yeah, apparently i read somewhere if that had gone to mercy then if you don't have those extra innings into that run defensive run quotient would have swelled that number and they might not have gotten it. So you go to bed on, on Saturday evening after, you know, they did turn the corner, uh, did win both games, won them pretty handily. And, and everybody's having better at bats. Moncada's having better at bats was kind of in the middle of things, even if it didn't necessarily do a huge amount of damage. Although I think he did hit, he did hit uh, the home run that got them on the board and, and, and um, you know, has some key moments there. And again, f- focusing more on, on Luis Rober that, you know, was starting to have better at bats again, even if a couple of times you're like, Oh, come on, that's, 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 you know, you either need to realize they're not pitching to you or you're sitting dead right on, on the one pitch, but that's, that's nitpicking for the sake of where we ended up. But um Looking at it, thinking, okay, in a best case scenario, maybe things go haywire and they take the second seed and you run into the Japanese buzzsaw. Uh, you run into the Japanese samurai sword, literally, figuratively. Uh, two, that get up, um, and, and because it was a time change here, um, you know, that probably screws my clock a little bit, get up uh, to, the, uh, to, the, to the Netherlands-Italy uh, game and see that Italy is up big. But then find out that as the game goes on, that again it was the perfect kind of uh, run run differential, and that wait a minute, all five teams are going to tie. If that happens, Cuba has the run quotient that puts them into the one seed. Wow! And so, despite being, over. despite Italy having the same record and yeah. beating Cuba, yeah, 
So where all five teams finish two and two, as we, we talked a little bit about this before we came on, that that's my first inclination. Like, it, it, but it, it makes sense at some level when you get to it because you're looking at okay, so Cuba lost to Italy and the Netherlands, so they should be ahead of them. But wait a minute, the Netherlands lost to Italy and either Chinese Taipei and then China and, and it's 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 the it's the Spider-Man meme where everybody's just in a circle pointing <laughs> at each other and then it just it, it had to come down to the tiebreakers because there's no way in that head-to-head with everybody in the same record that it it, it means that much versus because everyone can then point out and say well then all right so Netherlands should be ahead but then they lost this guy okay but then that guy should be ahead but they lost to them but then they lost to Cuba but then and it, it's 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 fascinating. I don't. Uh, I'll be intrigued to see uh, perhaps if the if the WBC looks at that and likes it, or does it ever happen again? Is there a workaround? I have friends, you know, and 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 you know, discredit towards them. Like, well, then why didn't they do tiebreaker games? But how do you do that? You'd have to do a complete another round robin to make certain everybody gets a shot. So then basically all you're doing is replaying the round again. And obviously you don't have the time and the resources to do that. So as imperfect a system as this proved to be, I guess it, it, it is the only way in that that shocking run of events, especially, again, after the start, Cuba 0-2, Netherlands 2-0. I'm assuming they're going they're going 4-0 and and – yeah, at one point when, when Q was 0-2, I'm looking at a calculating thing. Okay, so fine, Netherlands, that's 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 the monkey on the back. We didn't exercise that demon, fine. But we need them to go 4-0 to open up that slot in between. And now that Italy's beaten us, but we need them to go 1-3 because our best chance is to go 2-2. Two and two and then, But if we beat the other two teams going 2-2, two and two, looking at it, I think that that was the only way for Cuba to get that, that second slot, which, yeah, you want to advance, but you don't want that slot again because then you're moving to Tokyo to play Japan. So, uh, yeah, basically the way that it worked out is is positively incredible. And and again, in a short uh, in a short series, uh, if Cuba's getting hot at the right time, I think they can do a lot of things here. Have to be realistic, um, and or if we want to acknowledge, obviously, a very tight game that they beat in Australia, which again is is is. It was a good draw for them going into that. I, I had an appearance the other evening talking about um, talking about this, and uh, with a gentleman who focuses on Australia, provided some great um, Dan Vaughn Dan uh, does uh, announcing for the uh, for the for the Perth Heat, I guess, in the in the Australian league, and had some great insight and kind of uh, was good to kind of have that point counterpoint between two people that might know the most about those those two squads, and and so, you know, going into that game. I'm going to use a phrase for them that I'll probably then apply to Cuba moving forward, that they were playing with house money. Nobody expected Australia to to be there and it's a win just to be there, but that does not mean that they laid down and, and, and didn't play hard. And so, you know, a four, three win in, in that game, Cuba gutted that out. Then it allows them to move on to Miami, um, which is actually where I predicted or saw where there could be a path for that to go. But, clearly did not predict that this was how that was going to occur. Back to group play for just a second. The two teams that came out of the pool A were Cuba as the winner, as you mentioned, and then Italy got the second seed through tiebreakers and whatnot. From an entertainment purpose, ignoring all biases and whatnot, do you think the two best teams for that factor advance from the group? Because for me, Cuba had the best roster on paper out of all the teams in the pool, right? And then Italy became this like this. And I'm not just saying this because I'm Italian, even though I was rooting for the Guidos a little bit. 
Um, they had the espresso machine in the locker room and they're blasting, you know, Frank Sinatra in the dugout after the wins and Vinny Pascantino's making vlogs. It, it seemed like a fun group. And I think if everybody from an entertainment purpose was looking for who should come out of this group, it's these two teams for two very different reasons. Do you concur? Well, there's there's a lot of a lot of good stories there. And so, I mean, that's why people can say that it might have been light on 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 top end talent. But the fact that it, that everybody did go two and two and we have some 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 solid or some burgeoning baseball nations that are in there, as mentioned, you know, um, coming into this and, and, and maybe with almost half a blind spot, um, the Netherlands were the were the bugaboo. You know, they're the ones that I'm looking at saying that although um, that lineup might be getting by more on the perception of who a lot of those players used to be, they're still dangerous. That's that's pro. And, and when you have Xander Bogarts in the middle of there and, you know, for those that don't know, the Netherlands have knocked uh, Cuba out of the 2013 World Baseball Classic, 2017 World Baseball Classic, uh, myriad other uh, like the 2011 Baseball World Cup. So that so. Um, they are rivals, uh, make no mistake about it, although it, 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 it heavily leans towards the Netherlands to the point that now they at least they can look and say, hey, we still beat them. So, you know, for for the other countries, the story of Italy, um, you know, obviously very, very cool story and exciting and growing there. And, and Italy does have a professional league, ironically, that a number of Cubans do go and play in in every year. And so. At its core, um, I don't know if it answered in terms of the excitement. You know, uh, Taiwan have a have a professional league there, so that's so that's good too. Um, Panama's version. Actually, I have good friends that uh, spent the winter down in Panama, and and have told me that there's growing. It's a country that's obviously produced the likes of Mariana Rivera and Rod Carew, and so I look at it more from the perspective of everybody showed up at least for a point, at least to make it very complicated. And I think that what the objective of the WBC is, is maybe something like this. You know, it, it creates excitement for those countries that, um, uh, you know, give some fans something to, to look forward to at a time of the year that they might not be thinking about baseball or if they're thinking about baseball ever, hopefully they're thinking about baseball more, but hopefully now a kid in one of those countries is thinking of picking up a baseball and then you think about what that can mean if those players, if some do go back. I mean, the Italian scenario is a little bit different uh, in that most were, were imports. But even then, there's probably a window moving forward if those guys, you know, have some time to go over, do some PR, go do some camps with kids and, and be able to hang the fact on, hey, did you watch the World Baseball Classic and how Italy advanced and kind of give back into that community and, and, and create that excitement? And to me, um, that's a grand proportion of what this is about. I mean, obviously, you know, people are going to say it's about selling tickets about tv ratings about all of that and those are there that's great but for some of these countries that are that are building that baseball infrastructure and the expansion of 20 teams and and you know for the australia again getting getting into that crossover winning for the first time they they've got a a solid foundation there i mean dave nilson former major leaguers, their manager, Graham Lloyd, all of these guys involved giving back. And then a number of players actually from Australia building through and with their, their, their winter league. And, and so it's, I think it builds there and, and we see how people don't necessarily think of baseball as the international game that they should when it is, you know, um, is it second in the big four only to the NBA at this point? So, it's uh, it, it's a testament to, to what they're what they're doing there. And I think that this WBC 
has been the best so far to create that excitement and hopefully foster new players and new fans in, in pockets where either it was very, uh, very niche, hopefully growing. So, yeah, I agree. And I, I feel that way about all my favorite sports. I'm like, whatever can help people become fans in areas where maybe they're not. And that helps produce better stuff along the way by, you know, maybe let's say 2050, the World Baseball Classic is loaded with 20 teams who all have a chance. I mean, that might be pushing it a little yeah. bit, but, you know, well, yeah, yeah, I get your point. competitive. Yeah. And we saw Great Britain. They they didn't get eliminated from next Classics contention because they didn't come in dead last in their pool. And, you know, I love this stuff. It's the same thing in hockey. I know you're from Canada. We're going to touch on them in just a second. Like, Trevor Zegers doing what he does for the Anaheim Ducks. Like, if he was in New York, like, kids in California aren't watching that. I like the game growing in Southern California. Same thing with baseball. So, I appreciate that sentiment there. And you are Cuba's favorite Canadian. What did you think of the Canadian team and how they did? Uh, I know Freddie Freeman, the Dodgers, were like, uh, we're not going to let him play in game number four there against Mexico. But, I mean, it was an okay showing from Team Canada, I would say. Yeah, it was a little bit incomplete. And um, I didn't have high expectations going in, so they were met. Um, and, and so whether or not that's there's a little bit of a, an in-between where I think all of the players are a little bit younger. So uh, the, the, the few games that I get or moments that I did get to watch, it looks like there's a solid, uh, a solid pipeline there. But I kind of had the feeling that it wouldn't play that well here. Also in, in arguably um, – the toughest or second toughest pool, which then has not completely played out the way that we expected. So uh, you walk away from that, not hanging your head, but by the same token, uh, had a number of people kind of come at me uh, in, in, or come to me in, in advance that, Oh, well, Canada's got to have a shot. And you're like, sure. Uh, except that it is that, that loaded in, in that, in that pool. And so, you know, maybe, maybe Canada should be trying to fight to get over into that other bracket. And, and maybe the WBC looks at that and considers, uh, considers balancing that a little bit. Um, hard to say and glad I don't have to make that decision, but um, yeah, overall, it, it, but it did look like the, in, in a quick pivot that uh, it did look like Canada might've had an opportunity to, to steal and to steal a chance there with the way that everything else is broken. Unfortunately that didn't happen, but you know, it's um, the game is still growing. Um, and similar, it's uh, there. There's you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, of demands here, or or there's a greater focus on hockey. There always will be. Um, you know, when the Jays do well in this country, as much as I'm not a Jays fan, I do like to see them do well. Uh, when the Jays do well, it's better for for the baseball populace. And I'm still holding out, and it's not a crazy hope, but I'm still holding out hope that uh, Montreal will get a team um, sooner than later. Uh, I think there is a direct path that if uh, if the if the Oakland and the Tampa stadium situations get solved, and and it looks like Nashville will probably get a team, they're gonna need an expansion partner. I think Montreal can make perfect sense. Now, so I I want the Expos to come back to really bad, and then we'll get back to the World Baseball Classic in a second. But you sparked a question. What about Vancouver? Like, why Why wouldn't we want it on the west coast of Canada so that the whole country – like, that year the Jays made the playoffs and Batista's flipping bats and stuff. The whole country of Canada was rallying behind the Blue Jays, but I was like, this has got to be tough for some people in Vancouver rooting for a, a Toronto team. That's like – that's a big no-no, especially in hockey. Like, the Canucks fans and the Leafs fans, it's one of the biggest rivalries in the league. I, I mean, Vancouver having a team would be awesome. A little less so on the, uh, on the, on the Toronto hatred, although that's 
definitely a real thing. Uh, I chuckle anytime they try and say that anything Toronto oriented is Canada's team. I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe for a short window, the Jays have come as close to becoming that as yeah. possible. Um, the, the real answer I think for Vancouver um, is it's, it's not as crazy a baseball populace overall, but I don't want to discredit that because I know there's a lot of people that travel to Seattle frequently. And in fact, actually it might be the Mariners who are putting the kibosh on that on top of the fact that they don't really have a facility. So the BC place dome is, is nice, but I don't think that'd be perfect for baseball and for them to get a structure made there would be very tough. Uh, Vancouver does have a history with, um, with, with, I think even up to AAA, if we're the Canadians AAA or single A and, and, and uh, might still be in existence. What does that tell you? Um, not, not, not at that high level, obviously, but um, it's just uh, Vancouver. I've heard uh, wranglings, but I think Montreal is, is the better fit overall based on the history, based on the fact that with a new stadium, with the current state that a Bell or a Rogers, the big media conglomerates here would be looking to swoop in on something like that uh, for that live programming, put the money into it, build a little boutique open air stadium in downtown Montreal that I think people could really get behind this point as as much as there is some truth, there is some validity, make no mistake about it, the fans did stop coming out, but they weren't given as many reasons uh, based on where the big O was. It's a, uh, it's like playing in a parking garage, and I say that as it being the first baseball stadium that I ever attended. It, it has. It's, it's, it's a quaint dump and has a special place in my, part, in my heart, but also I would press the plunger on blowing that place up in a heartbeat. So it's, uh, sorry, we got a little sidetracked there, but uh, I, I do think that there is a valid business case i think that there is a will and i think there is a path for for the expos to return to baseball in the next five ten years that would be so exciting and we all know they have some of the best get-ups in the league as well and we saw it took washington a long time to get good again so winning does sometimes cure off that team came in and was good montreal's a crazy place i i watch the canadians frequently and it's a great sports town so i'm all in on it as well there's there's a reason why many of the traveling players used to uh, love um, love going to Montreal to the point I've heard from from former major leaguers that oftentimes they wouldn't even take their own bags into the uh, into the hotel they would uh, have someone else handle that while they went straight to the um, to the ballet. Good nightlife there, eh? Yes, that's what I've heard. Yeah, Montreal yes. poutine and nightlife. If you yes. like to eat and you like that part of the world, like, you know, life, you go to Montreal if you're in Canada. Yeah. I've, I've heard that as well. Um, it's uh, so now we'll get back to the world baseball classic just a little bit. The team Cuba, they played team Australia that you, you mentioned it. They got the narrow four to three victory. What was going on in that game? What was your takeaway from it? And got some momentum now going into the semis. Yeah. So, so going into that game, um, <sighs> So Yariel Rodriguez, who for many has been a bit of a revelation, this guy that's been successful in in Japan with the Chinichi Dragons, but as a reliever, which I'm happy to eat a little bit of crow on this for the sake that um, I probably wouldn't have started him. I thought that uh, the way that I thought that the tournament would go down, that he might have been more valuable as that bridge, though, that uh, that basically Miguel Romero has become. So um, kudos to, to, to Mandy Johnson for, for starting uh, Rodriguez, who looked great, 
uh, a little uh, a little effectively wild in in the first uh, first game uh and in this one didn't go as deep but but gave them an opportunity to to be around there and kind of showed what the the issue had been when he was a starter in the past which was uh which was walks so you know then bridge to Rowanis Elias who who uh, would have gotten the start otherwise or you know if if this were more conventional if you're looking at a rotation then 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 Elias would have lined up as your one or your one a so came in um looked a little bit shaky too some walks and so whether or not um because i think that formula that that you saw there is the perfect scenario that you would probably in 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 the semi uh, in the semifinal coming up that you would look at it and say let's let's go with rodriguez again as the starter how long can he take us you know if it's uh, if it's an 80 pitch limit, I think you're asking a lot at this point or, or for, for someone to be effective. If he is effective through 80 pitches, then uh, Cuba's going to the finals is, is how I'll, I'll phrase it. But even if he gives you two, three innings and, you know, limits that damage, then you can go to Elias as a lefty for another look. Does he give you some work? And then you get into that vaunted bullpen. So that bullpen is the strength. And again, it, it's a lot of it is beginning and ending with guys that are having success over in in uh, in in Japan with with MPB and so Levon Moinello and then into to Rydell Martinez who you know hasn't had as great a tournament as you'd like but closed out the game the other day and it's still a lights out closer so that depth is there offensively um you know while I was watching the game you know uh, I figured if Moncada or Rover were going to get one pitch in any given a bat, they'd be lucky. So, you know, keep the keep the chain moving. So they're a little bit of, uh, more aggressive than I would have liked to see in a couple scenarios, but they, they generated enough offense. My pick to click, you know, my, my X factor was Alfredo de Spain in that, uh, in that four spot behind them and uh, who had looked resurgent in a couple of the early games for the sake that if you're going to pick your poison, that's the guy. But then also I got to give some kudos to a person that I count as, as an acquaintance, as a friend uh, that I was uh, really excited that I thought, coming into this might get some, you know, fourth outfield pinch running defensive uh, defensive reps in Yorkies Guibert who drives in the big run. And so uh, was able to, uh, to smoke a celebra- celebratory uh, cigar after that win. That was a present from him when he was here uh, playing in Canada during the summer. So, so kudos to see him do that, but um, whether or not that played into sort of what I was looking at because I I didn't predict that, but kind of had an inkling going into that game that with, uh, with the Australian hurlers being a little bit more soft tossing, probably a little bit closer to what you would see in the Cuban national series, that would a Cuban national series hitter be able to key on that and maybe do some damage in a situation that you, you wouldn't expect as opposed to, you know, everybody looking at the, the guys with the major league pedigree where, Again, I think Australia was very careful with them, very intelligently, very careful with them, and then passed the baton. And then when the time was right, a Cuban National Series star saw a pitch that he's used to seeing and did something with it. That's outstanding. And now, semifinal, waiting the winner of the game. I believe it is the 18th that the game will take place between the United States and Venezuela. The winner of that will play Cuba. I know picking your opponent, not something people like to do. Is there a team you'd rather see Team Cuba face, though? And what's your kind of preview of that game as a whole? If if only because at the beginning I, I predicted the States to win it all. 
um, that I would look at and say that maybe Venezuela is a better matchup, but by the same token, and and had some interactions, I think, on on in the lead up when people might have misinterpreted it, that I'm not surprised that Venezuela's here uh, at all. They're they're a strong team that doesn't get the credit that they deserve, but uh, where where maybe it was misinterpreted because. I was trying to explain why people might be sleeping on them because it's a team that's always sent bona fide major league talent there. And either because of, of underperformance on their end or being stuck again in a tough pool just hasn't really produced those results. So this team apparently is, is the one that's different. I'm not surprised by that. What I do like is, and or what bodes well for Cuba, it is one game. So, uh, but also, as you say, if that, that turnaround is that the 18th, those teams have to play each other, it's the 19th that the semifinal is. So that bodes very well for Cuba, that they can line up, have a few days to rest here, get acclimated, although the other teams have been in Miami, get acclimated to Miami, but have that pitching line up and be rested the way that you want to, whereas the other teams are probably going to be throwing their, if they're if they're top starter or it's all hands on deck, there's a more chance that their bullpen's going to be taxed. So that opens up a window, I believe, where Cuba can do some damage. Um, you know, it's, as I said earlier, Australia was playing with house money against, against Cuba, Cuba's playing with house money in this game. And so whatever happens in, in, in one game, it's going to be exciting. Um, you know, I, I have to hope they're going to win it. Um, it, but they're, they're going to be facing a very tough, a very tough country, no matter what. And so just walking into it with, uh, with no expectations and just excited to see what can happen. Do you disagree with me? Cause I legitimately think that Cuba beats whoever wins because you mentioned it. Team USA is probably going to use Lance Lynn. And I know I probably sound like a big white Sox D hole right now for saying that, but he's been their best pitcher so far in this turn. He's been the only starter where you're like that guy. He, he proves how great he is but their weakness so far in this tournament has been pitching and i agreed with you early they were my pick to win the whole thing they're no longer my pick to win the whole thing i have adjusted that opinion because of what i've seen and venezuela somehow lets the u.s get by and they get to cuba it would not shock me at all i mean who's cuba gonna face brady singer you know, Adam Wainwright, something like that. I don't know. I, this Cuba team, they seem to have this mojo now. They pulled out the win against the tough Australia team. I don't know. They seem they seem to have the momentum on their side right now. And and, and they could. And, and, and make no mistake about it, that, that all plays into it. And so that's why it is more evenly matched for the sake that. And, and it's also kind of funny um, because, uh, you know, I tweeted out yesterday that to this point, the – non MLBers, not that there were that many of them, uh, but the, the majority of the heavy lifting has been done by the, the stars from the Cuban National Series. Again, pivot to what we just uh, discussed there. Um, and, and you know, Andy Abanez got injured early, didn't end up playing. You know, when Cespedes has left the team, might be rejoining, who knows, he's having personal or personality problems. It's always something with that dude. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm not as worried about that versus how this team has kind of come together now. I still think there's a big window um, in, in that game for Moncada and for Robert to finally break out. But if they don't, again, same thing against Australia. If you recognize early they are pitching around you, take the walks and let or hope that the guy behind you does the damage. Now, whether or not in a team chock full of major leaguers, 
maybe guys aren't doing that and everybody's over swinging and where it's still early in the season that they're rusty. So the same knock that I put on Moncada and, 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 and Rover there could be the same thing. One denying for these guys. Whereas for a Yoelki Squibert, a kid, this is, this is his, this is his big shot to be a, a hero in that country. And this, this is a kid that has played in the national series has played professionally in other countries, but he's not a major league talent. I don't mean that as any slight, but this could be the apex for him. And you get that moment and it means that much to you. It's a, you, you, maybe you're more dialed in than, than, than a pro that's looking at it going, ah, I'm really, I'm just, these, I'm treating these like uh, spring training at bats. If I get a hit, I, I do. I don't, if I I'm not giving away in a bat, but where you need to be really dialed in, maybe those guys aren't there. But then, and sorry, also with, as you say, the pitching, they were light. And, you know, it, it's, it, there are some matchups there that can definitely work. And so, and, and again, if they're taxed and they, they might be taxed already, or if they're not lining up the way that they want to. So it does, it, it bodes as well for Cuba as it can. I still think that they're the obvious underdog going in against either Venezuela or the United States, but in a one game, in a one game playoff like this, and the way that this tournament's played out, it's closer to a coin flip than even the betting odds might lean to. Can anybody beat team Japan? I don't think so. I, I, I yeah. So this, so that's the obvious um, thing there that, and, and I liked their chances coming into this I, and, and cause a lot of people uh, looked at it right away and said DR and I was like, they're, they're strong. But when, when some of the players dropped out, I was like, okay, but don't get me wrong. Like I wouldn't have been blown away if DR won. I still thought that maybe coming off the momentum that the U S had, even though it's six years ago, that, that maybe they'd built something there. And with that lineup, they look strong in that Japan. Make no, I thought that they were at least the number three team coming in and saw that where their path could be easier. But the fact that the the introduction of professional players in here, you know, again, they're all professional. They're getting paid. But Japan's team looks like professionals, like the way that they're they're approaching it, and and that's the one advantage that I thought that they might have that that there's a little bit more cohesion there, and it has shown on top of the the immense talent that they have, and so I think I, I think uh, Japan is going to go undefeated through this and 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 take it, but and hopefully it is a rematch of the 2006 World Baseball Classic. If if Cuba gets that game, and even if they get assassinated in that game, I'm looking to go. That's a win, but you know that's let's not put that cart too far ahead of the uh, ahead of the horse um you know but uh, I, I think we're in for some exciting games uh, to to wrap this up do you think okay so a lot of people say like the japanese educational system compared to the us Amer or canadian any of them the educational system's just better they they're more organized it seems more like in line like everybody does their job mm -hmm. like i feel that that extends itself to its baseball program and i love watching the japanese team play they do everything right i mean us americans we go into the box we adjust our chains a little bit get, get the arms loose a little bit these guys stand they're like robots they walk up there and they just do it right and i'm like if with the talent we have here in the u.s if we treated it like that and we acted like that we'd win every world baseball classic ever there would be hundreds of all world players it just is mind-boggling to me how this japan team looks like a machine when they're playing and i i love watching it 
Yeah, no, no doubt. There's probably some uh, some part of it that's cultural there, and and that is part of the the whole Japanese uh, zeitgeist. I mean, I might be assuming too much there, but at least in in how it manifests itself here, and that that idea that the guys that it is a baseball machine. So you know, th there's pros and cons with that. I know there's always the argument over the let the kids play sort of thing, and I'm somewhere in between. I like the passion. I, I like going to Cuba. You know, I'm, I'm immersed in in that Latin American culture. That there's there's a fine line between passion and showboating and showing respect to the game that it was. And, and, and so I think uh, the easiest way to say is though that that preparation uh, that, that it seems like Japan puts into it um, where maybe, you know, uh, cause this might sound a little bit contradictory. I mean, there's no doubt Otani is, you know, one of the best athletes on, on the earth uh, versus, you know, John Cruck used to say, I'm not an athlete. I'm a ball player. Maybe some of that plays. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to discredit many of the Japanese guys. There's great athletic talent there, but I think they, they overachieve on that discipline and that approach to it. Whereas maybe some of the other countries have more uh, natural athletic ability. And so it's how, what do you bring to the table? What's your best way to, to succeed? Japan seems to tap into that, that it is in that workman like, and it is that in that machine uh, type approach and no doubt about it it's working for them absolutely they're one of my favorites hopefully otani and crew at least make it entertaining for everyone you know if they're going to dummy everyone en route to winning the whole thing at least let otani pitch in that last game and hit a tank or something i yeah. just love watching that dude play and you know between him and trout it's nice seeing some angels perform on big stages where everybody gets to watch them what has been your favorite story from the tournament as a whole so i mean uh, i'm i i kind of uh, been watching it you know, as many games as I can overall, I think it's just uh, for me personally, it, it is Cuba getting as far as, as they are and, and kind of on a personal level, seeing that it is reviving uh, some of that passion on the island. Um, you know, it's I've had people uh, I've had people ask, you know, what is it like there? Uh, and, and, you know, talking to people, they are watching the games. The timings make it a little bit tough. So it's not and, and the economy is incredibly uh, in the in a bad state right now. So it's not as if people are really getting together in these massive gatherings, but that's starting to grow. And, and, and I bet you, I guarantee you that that will be the case for, for, you know, for this game on, on Sunday night there, that uh, basically block parties coming together. And, and um, I wish I could be there for that. I'll be there a week later, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's rebuilding that passion. Um, you know, hopefully my, my, my hope is my hope and my concern knowing what I know about how things always work on that island. My hope is that the advent or the, 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 the step forward in bringing the pros in is step one, not job done as far as the Cuban Federation is concerned, because I could, and, and they might have a valid argument for that. Cause after I've just said that basically is as, as important as bringing some of these, these MLBers in, on the field, it still has been, you know, kind of the, uh, they've set the nail up and, and, and the guys that, uh, from the Cuban national series have, have nailed it in, in many circumstances. So, you know, that's still a thing, but moving forward, if you want to win the world baseball class, if you want to keep building that, I think that you, you have to have a policy that opens it up to anybody that wants to be a part of it. That's, that's of Cuban descent. And then, kind of rebuild uh, that pipeline and those relationships and then start funneling some, some money back into the system and that it's a very complex way for that to happen. But, you know, being a little bit of a, an optimist, at least on this one, 
hopefully this is the springboard for that and not just a, hey, let's give ourselves a pat on the back. Look at how good we did in putting this together. And, you know, let's be more resolute. So anybody that didn't want to be a part of this, to heck with them, um, you know, versus, okay, now let's, if we've made it this far doing this, maybe next time we bring in a few more guys, we get all the way and we can be as good as Japan or, or, or you know, whoever it might be. Absolutely. Or, or maybe they win the whole thing and they shot me up and everything I just said was complete malarkey. So. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. But, you know, I agree with you. Um, last night we saw something that pretty tough. Edwin Diaz celebrating the uh, victory for Puerto Rico over the Dominican Republic. Kind of a big win for them as a country, baseball country, I would say. I thought, sure. I, I thought the DR was going to win a personal bias towards them because of Jimenez and wanting to see the White Sox play as well as possible. But, you know, Puerto Rico, outstanding win. Yeah. Diaz tears his pectoral ligament in his knee, and he's going to have surgery that will likely end his 2023 season, as reported by Jeff Passan right before we went on air today. Now there's a debate online. You got some some notable people arguing with each other online. Marcus Stroman got involved, a bunch of Mets, you know, big time Mets fans, bloggers, all sorts of things debating whether or not the world baseball classic means something. Should players be, should teams put it in clauses not to go to the world baseball classic? Absolutely crazy. What happened to him? What's your takeaway? It happens. I, uh, <laughs> perhaps a bad example. I've been, I've been dealing with knee issues for the past three weeks, a little bit older than he is. And, uh, I, I tweaked my knee sleeping. So, <laughs> uh, not, not to make light of what happened there. Cause I can see every side of it. I think that what, what perhaps you're alluding to more to, and, and if this is, I don't hate Twitter. I, I try and stay in my lane on Twitter. It's probably how we met. It's, it's, you know, it, it, it's, there's good interactions that are out there. This whole thing feels as if it was just the perfect clickbait. And it seems like there are a couple people that are trying to be fire starters over this versus I'm seeing much more people being rational of, yeah, it sucks. But, you know, clearly was there damage there? If you, if you bust up your knee like that, jumping up and down during a celebration, you were already on the clock. And so... And I get it. Maybe it does. It doesn't happen. Uh, we saw uh, Masahiro Tanaka pitch for the Yankees uh, for five years with everybody saying that, you know, the, the, the ligament in his elbow was held together with uh, chewing gum and, and friggin' paper clips. So maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe this is that freak teams. If they, if they look at it and they say they don't want their players going there, but it could have happened in spring training, you know, um, correct me if I'm wrong on this. If there is a silver lining, I guess is the world baseball classic and their insurer is on the hook for his salary while he's out. Isn't, are they not? That's what happened with Mark Teixeira years ago. So, so if you look at it from that perspective, I mean, it sucks. You're, you don't have, you don't have that player. It could have happened in spring training. Um, so if players look at that and say they don't want to, maybe the intensity is higher. I get all of that. I think the positives for what it's done for the game I think that the major leaguers are a component of that. They add the legitimacy to it, even though it's not a major league event. People think that too. It's not a major league event. They have a lot of influence on it. Make no mistake about it. And they're very important in adding the legitimacy to it. But could have happened during any game. It's exciting for the game. 
And basically anybody that's that's poo-pooing it, just admit it. Fine. You don't want to watch this. You don't have to. Oh, and then my favorite player from my team got hurt. It happens, man. It's so I don't know what to tell you. You know, people trying to discredit this. The 11 million people that are excited in Cuba about watching this game, they matter. The 63 million people in Japan that uh, that, that watched the previous game. Yeah. So, so tell me nobody's watching it. Just. You, you can take your Twitter clickbait. I hope you get all of the responses you want and, and, and uh, have fun with that. Absolutely. I tweeted a video yesterday. We might remember a couple of years ago, the Mets celebrating. They did a sim game as if it was game seven of the World Series. And when the game was over, they celebrated as if they won the World Series. And I was like, yeah, send Edwin Diaz back to the Mets camp. I'm sure he'll be much safer there than, you know, he would at the World Baseball Classic celebrating. Well, a, a player that played over by my shoulder in, in the stadium in Havana. Kendrys Morales broke his leg jumping on home plate after a grand slam. So now what are we going to do? Are we going to have walk-off home runs like in slow pitch? No run yeah. of the bases anymore because you never know what's going to happen there. Absolutely. Aldo says there's more injuries sustained by people dancing salsa than during celebrations in baseball games, which is yeah. likely a thousand percent true. State of my knee these days, that might be the case in the next couple of weeks. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Phil, I have just a couple more questions for you. You've been so gracious with your time. Uh, what MLB team are you riding with this year? I know you have uh, closet uh, enjoyment of the New York Yankees, even though it's not so closet enjoyment, I don't yeah. think. But you don't tweet about it very often, I don't think. But I don't know. What, what, who are you liking this year? Who are you cheering on? I don't think people want to hear about it if they want to hear about anything from me. But um, they do. They want to hear yeah. things from you. There's a reason I, we keep bringing you back. I I think that the the Yankees are a year away, and so um, although I mean there, there's a lot of chatter that the Volpe's and the Dominguez's of the world are, are are ready now. There's an argument for it. I might be a little bit uh, might hold back on that. Um, San Diego's all in, and they have to be. Uh, it's it's make or break. Um, and, and yes, they are spending money, but, um, I still somewhere in the back of my mind think they, if they don't win the world series this year, they're closer to fire sale than they are to sustained with these, this payroll and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so, so it's a little bit wide open there. I like the, I like the Yankees chances, uh, in that division. Tampa's always dangerous to the Jays rebound after, um, their, their epic collapse, but that could be one of those things that with a younger team that, that if you don't, if it doesn't break them, it could make them, um, in the central, you know, talk to me again. You talked to me last week, what I thought the White Sox chances were not good, uh, buoyed by Montana Robert, but you know, they, they've rebounded. And I think there's a, a level of that that's, that's contingent on them. Eloy looked great last night. He hit, he hit that ball that how often do you see a ball tattoo off the wall like that? Like you normally to hit a ball that hard, either you, you've got it at the angle that it leaves easily. So that's like, it, it was watching that. He smashed that, that it looked at him. Jesus, you don't see a ball hit the wall like that too often. And so if, if the white Sox can, can handle their business and kind of keep the, the rest of that division is, is wide open. Like that could be a cakewalk. Um, you know, the twins, are interesting. Correa kind of fell back into their lap, but you could tell by the other moves that they made that obviously no one was expecting that because hey, he signed with the Giants, then he signed with the with the with the Mets, then he signed with the Twins. So you know, even in the other other moves that they made, that they they were a little bit surprised by that. In the West, the Astros are still strong. Um, you know, the loss of Verlander hurts, but they've got next man up, and then uh, you know, not to pick at the scab, Abreu going there. Uh, that that lineup is strong. Yeah. I think 
I think if it's going to happen this year, if the Padres handle their business, it's Padres Astros in the World Series. Wow. Okay. Wow. Bold claim here in uh, March, March 16th. I, I like it though. Okay. I, you know, there's some Sox fans that really dislike the Padres because they took all of our players, but really they only took Fernando Tatis and, you know, Machado was a free agent signing. He was never actually belonged to the White Sox, but Joe wants to know if Luis Robert can be an MVP when healthy. I would have said that's a ceiling at one point. Um, you know, I, I've probably revised that a little bit. Let's start with the healthy and let's let's have that first full healthy season. I think hopefully it's this year, and I think he needs to rebuild that value. And if if this experience where and I think it's good for him and Moncada, and on a level, I think it's good for them to maybe be out of the shadow of of, of a Brayu. Um, you know, and, and that's not saying that him leaving is a good thing by any stretch because I was conflicted on that. I think we talked about that back in the fall that that was a big number, man. He got a big number and, and kudos to him for that. And he's going to a spot where maybe it's a little bit of a better fit at this point where he's at to just fit into that lineup. So then that opens up. It's time for these boys to put on their big boy pants and, you know, maybe they lead Cuba to a World Baseball Classic Championship, and that's the turning point, and they take that momentum into uh, in, in, into, into, into Chicago this year and keep building on that momentum. So roundabout way saying, I think he's got MVP potential, but uh, he, he's got to do a lot to rebuild to get there and, and fill that gap between the obvious talent that's there and that next step of being focused in and and – uh, sorry, indulge me on that, that we've seen it in the abats he's had here. I've chronicled this for the past bunch of years, that the one thing that's amazed me, and I've recorded some of the abats back back before, he can make that adjustment from pitch one to pitch four to pitch five. But I think we're past the point where he should be doing that. He should be dialed in on pitch one more often now and know what that is, get it and do damage. And if not, lay off. And I saw one of the comments, lay off the, the stuff that you need an ore because it's in the dirt. But just lay off anything that you know you're not doing damage on. He does that. He, you know, he's not going to have a Juan Soto uh, level of patience. But if he could have any level of that, then he becomes dangerous like that. Absolutely. And between him playing the way he has in the World Baseball Classic, be, be, being good at everything before he got hurt, I think was a big key for him. A good fielder, good runner, good arm, can hit for power, can hit for contact. I think everybody liked that. And then you watch Mankata, that home run he hit. His left-handed home run swing is absolutely unbelievable. You would put it in a dictionary of left-handed home run swings. So I, I hope you're right on that, and I hope the White Sox are able to reap the benefits of that. I'm also with you on the Yankees and the Astros. Uh, hopefully the you know Padres can live up to expectations. Obviously got teams like the Dodgers, the Mets. We'll see what happens. But, Phil? You have been so gracious with your time, and we can't thank you enough for coming on our show. You got some big things coming up with CubaDugout.com, I'm assuming, as they prepare to take on the winner of USA versus Venezuela, which will take place on Saturday. Promote what you got going on. Yeah, so CubaDugout.com, uh, all my handles at CubaDugout. I've got uh, a couple pieces there that that uh, for anybody that going into the game wants to look at and learn about basically every player that's on that squad. Also chronicled their, their path to this point. 
um, and and obviously probably going to write a little bit more as uh, as through there and as, as inspired by that. But more importantly, uh, heading to Cuba very soon and uh, for the start of the 62nd, 62nd Cuban National Series. But keeping my fingers crossed that I will be on the ground when uh, there could be, you know, welcoming the team back. If that's, even if it's just getting bounced in the semis, I have the feeling they'll do something for them. Just a matter of those timings work and, and I'll be on the ground kind of talking to people, finding out how excited were they talking to players, talking to fans, hopefully some of the players that, that were a part of that, uh, that are part of the squad. And uh, if nothing else, restocking my humidor. Absolutely. That's incredible. I can't wait to hear about your trip to Cuba. Uh, maybe we'll have you back. Maybe the gap won't be quite as long between now and your next appearance because of, you know, we'll de it'll depend on what Cuba does. And, you know, I, I want to hear some of these stories face to face. So I'm excited to chat with you next time you're on. Everybody, make sure you're following him on Twitter at CubaDugout.com. And I just wanted to say before we let you go to make sure that you are voting in the 108 tournament. Very important stuff on White Sox Twitter, Phil. Very important stuff. You go there, you vote for Gabe right now. I, I tweeted it. You go vote for Gabe right now. He's a friend of the program. I want every single person voting for him. And then on Monday, I will be taking on uh, Celeste in round number two. And I want your vote. Please vote for me in the 108 tournament. Phil, I don't know if you voted for me or not, but I would appreciate your endorsement on Monday. What do you think? I, uh, so I'm, I'm not going to say who I voted for because it's two people that, uh, that I have respect for, but, uh, one did reach out to me to solicit the vote and, uh, getting the vote to, to mobilize is a, a strong ground game in politics is very important. And so, uh, that's all I will say about that. So, all right, well, I'll be, I'll be making sure to hop in your DMS to, yes. to beg for your vote and. Get, get Cuba on my side. Come on, Phil, and Canada. I love everyone. So I'm going to be campaigning hard between now and then. But go vote. So go vote for Gabe right now, everyone, in the chat. Twitter.com. I want him to win really bad. Uh, I know Joe Mandel's in with me on that. Joe says Vinny versus Spaghetti. Yes, Celeste Spaghetti. I don't know. It was it James, James Fox you, you have a relationship with? Yeah. I mean, great with prospects. Outstanding White Sox content. I have full understanding i know you voted for him um i <laughs> it's it's totally okay because it didn't matter i want no i'm just kidding um i i'm having fun with this whole thing so phil thank you for everything and i can't wait to talk to you again vamos cuba go white Sox, go and yeah hopefully we'll we'll talk soon and uh with uh celebrating uh celebrating if nothing else, if it's not Cuba writ large, that uh, Moncada and Robert have uh, done some big things. So, Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you're following at Cuba Dugout on Twitter. I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. As always, enjoy March Madness. Stay safe this weekend. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, and thank you for listening. Another happy landing. <laughs>